What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast, where we bring insight, keys, and perspectives to everyday living through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I want to welcome you to our summer series, Persons of Interest Summer Takeover 2022. If you remember last year when we did this series, we had some amazing, amazing guest hosts who essentially took over an episode of Vantage Point between the months of June and July. And this year is going to be no different. I'm telling you right now, we're going to have some of those same folks back uh, this time around, but we have some new guests, some new guest hosts that are going to be taking over Vantage Point over these next few weeks, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. You want to lock in, stay connected, share, subscribe, the whole nine, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're so, so glad you're tuning in, but for this first episode, I'm telling you, I have an amazing, amazing young man uh, who actually serves as the youth and young adult pastor of Ignite Church Tulsa here in Oklahoma, the church that I'm connected to as associate pastor. And I'm telling you, this man has an amazing, amazing word for you. Not only does he preach the word of God, he's a worship leader, uh, plays several instruments. Uh, He's going into his senior year at Oral Roberts University. Help me welcome Pastor Jamin Bell to the Vantage Point stage. What's up, my Vantage Point family? I am so excited to be here. Um, welcome to Persons of Interest Summer Takeover. Um, I'm so excited, man. Thank you so much, Nick, for inviting me on the podcast. Um, I'm just excited to share a little bit about what God has laid on my heart for you all. And, you know, just in thinking about it, I have no idea um, what the heck Pastor Nick was thinking about giving me 30 whole minutes um, coming up here on this podcast. It might be the worst decision he's made all summer. No, I'm totally kidding. I think that this is going to be awesome, and I really, really believe that God has something for you guys. Um, he spoke to me, um, and I think that he's really going to speak to y'all today. And so um, before we get into it, I mean, wherever you're listening at, whether that's inside of your car, whether you're listening on your house, on your Google Home, whether you're listening on YouTube, I just want you guys to take a second and just pray with me before we get started. Well, Father God, I just pray that you would bless me in this moment. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would use me in only the way that you can, Father God. Take control. um, Take control of everything I say, of my words, my lips, my movements, Father God. I pray that you would speak directly to your people, specifically what they need to hear, Father God. Um, And even right now, we just take a moment and we just want to pray, Father God, for all of the mass shootings and all of the crazy things that have been happening in our societies, Father God. We pray for all of the different um, all of the different cities that have been hit, all the different states, Father God, from Oklahoma to Texas to South Carolina. I pray that you would just send uh, your peace, Father God. Send your peace into the homes of the people who have lost families, um, family members, Father God. I pray that you would just give them a comfort and a peace like never before, Father God. I pray that you would even continue to bless this podcast, Father God. Um, I pray that you would speak to many people, that many people would see their lives and their hearts and their minds changed by your word. Um, And most of all, I pray that you would just bless Nick, Father God. Just pour back into him everything 
everything that he's poured out, um, even the things that he does behind the scenes that nobody knows about to continue to give us great content to listen to. I pray that you would just pour it back into his hand. We thank you, and we're so excited for what's getting ready to happen. In Jesus' name, we all prayed. Amen. Amen. Well, seeing as this is a podcast called Persons of Interest, I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys about myself. Is that okay? Maybe just tell you guys a little bit about my story, um, because I have a feeling that a lot of you guys don't know anything about me, um, so I'm just going to kind of share a little bit about myself. Um, for all of you guys that don't know, my name is Jamin Nathaniel Rashawn Bell. Yes, I have four names. My parents went just a tad bit crazy, um, Jamin Nathaniel Rashawn Bell. Um, I, a, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shout out T-Town for all of my people living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and I just kind of want to take you guys on a little bit of a journey with me. So I'm going to take you kind of back far when I was um, back in middle school, and I just kind of want to tell you what God has done in my life through my life, and hopefully you can pull out some different nuggets, some different things um, that God will speak to you directly for your life, if that's okay. And so, taking it way back, um, whenever I was young, my parents, they were actually worship leaders um, in the city of Tulsa. Um, they did a lot of great things. They traveled with the Fighting Temptations on tour, um, just a lot of different great things. And so, they were worship leaders to the max, and they did that thing for about 20 years. Um, and still, my mom, she still, you know, tries to sing just a little bit whenever she gets the chance to. So, it was kind of inevitable that me myself would end up loving music um, in any way, shape, or form. Even all of our kids, um, all of their kids, they kind of took loving music, doing music in some sort of way. And so for me, this kind of looked like me joining and signing up for band class whenever I was in middle school. Um, and at the time, of course, it was not really the most popular thing to do. I mean, if any of you guys have ever done marching band or any type of band, it really wasn't the most popular thing, but I was kind of stepping out on the limb because it was the only way that I could kind of show um, my skill or my talent in music. I had no idea what it was, but all I knew is I love music and this was a perfect outlet. And so what did I do? I played percussion in band. I noticed there was different uh, sections in band. You know, you have the horn section and the woodwind section, but for me, I was in percussion and I found out that it was very, very challenging to do percussion. And why was it so challenging? Because you didn't just have to learn one instrument. If you play the tuba or the trumpet, you had to learn one instrument. But for me, I had to learn like 20 different instruments. You know, you got the snare drum, you got the bass drum, the marimba, the xylophone, the bells, the chimes, the church bells, the triangle, you named it. We had to learn how to play in percussion. And so it was pretty challenging for me, but I ended up really, really loving this. Um, I got to show and develop the skill of music and this love for music that God had placed on the inside of me. And so through that, I think I ended up finding out that I was a very, very talented kid. And so what did talented kids do when they find out they're talented? Well, of course, you guessed it. They end up doing more stuff. And so for me, I actually, actually, after that, started playing basketball. So I was in band, and then right after that, I joined basketball team the next year. Now, if you know me, and if you know anything about me and my family, basketball is not a subject to be played around with. I will live, and I will die by basketball. Even right now, um, you know, uh, the finals and things that have just happened, I mean, I love basketball, and I will watch it and play it till the day that I die. And of course, I I love band, but basketball ended up becoming my first love. And I love this game so much that I would kind of slack off in my schoolwork and slack off in band just so that I could pursue this dream of becoming a basketball star. I wanted 
to be like LeBron James um, one day. And so that was kind of my aspiration. I kind of pushed to try and do that. Um, and now, of course, for my story, here's where kind of all the trash ends up coming into play. Um, even though I was raised in church, and even though I was still being raised in church during this time where I was in band, and during this time where I was in basketball, just because I was in church, it didn't mean I was too much of a holy kid, if anybody knows what I'm saying. I didn't believe in what church had to offer for me. You know, I'd come to church and the pastors, they would preach all these cool messages and the youth groups and all these cool things, but I really didn't care for it, if I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, what the heck did I want to do with church? I really didn't want anything to do with it. And so I um, ended up just kind of taking my own path, kind of doing my own thing, exploring life in the only way that I knew how, which was obviously through friends. And my friends, we would have all these conversations in middle school, and they would talk about girls in middle school. And at one point, I even had my friends introduce me to pornography. I said, hey, man, I just, I, I hear you guys talking about this all the time. I have no idea what it is, so I just want you to show it to me. And so through my friendships, I actually ended up becoming addicted to pornography. And that for me became this constant struggle that I would battle with for years and years and years to come, this battle of pornography. And then, of course, you know, I was good looking, of course, you know, me, I'm a really good looking guy. And so I ended up getting a girlfriend um, and I was in the sixth grade. Now, I don't know about you, but what does a 12th grader in 6th grade need to do with a girlfriend? Probably nothing at all, but I was really into exploring it. And so um, I ended up having a girlfriend. Um, but you see, back then, what I didn't know, but what I know now and looking in retrospect, is that the enemy, through these situations, had a plan to add trauma to my life that I wouldn't be able to see back then. Um, but now it's something that I had to kind of look at and work through and you know, even go to counseling for some of these things. But this was just a setup that the enemy had and planned for my life at a very young age because he knew the destiny that God had placed on the inside of me. And so what happened with my first girlfriend? I ended up having probably the first toxic relationship ever in the history of humanity. No, probably not. There was a lot more toxic relationships. But I ended up having the first toxic relationship of my life. Um, she would end up cheating on me. She would end up breaking up with me and getting back together with me. Um, it was it was it was horrible. Honestly, it was the worst thing in the world. She would like hang out with me in private, but then like disown me in public around her friends. Like she would uh, she would just do a lot of things um, that probably weren't the best for a relationship. Um, even to the point where she would teach me to do things that only like adults should do. Um, so she would kind of you know introduce me to drugs or introduce me to alcohol. Here, it was this really really bad relationship that the enemy really tried to use to add trauma to my life. And, you know, I just feel like in this podcast for the rest of uh, this time, I just really want to be open and vulnerable with you guys because I feel like somebody is going to hear a specific word that God has for them. And so after this toxic relationship, um, I was in a couple more relationships through sixth grade, seventh grade, through eighth grade. I continued in basketball. Um, I continued doing band, um, basketball kind of being the forefront of everything that I did. And so what happens next? I move on to high school. And by the time I hit high school, I look back and I see that I was really, really overworked already in high school, um, working at this high capacity because I've progressed in basketball um, and I've progressed in band. And um, inside of band, the thing that happened was I ended up auditioning for a drum line because at first, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade was just concert band. But whenever you move to high school, they actually introduce you to marching band, and you have the, uh, the chance to audition for marching band. And so I ended up being the first freshman 
in our school's history to make drumline freshman year. Um, it was a really, really cool accomplishment. Um, they saw skill, they saw talent in me, and so they took me to be on drumline. Um, and so that was some accomplishments that I had on um, in band. And even in basketball, I made uh, varsity as a freshman in basketball. Um, it had only happened a few times, and the most recent time that a freshman had made varsity um, was the best player that we had on our team at the time. His name was Cole Surrett. He was the only one in the past about 10 years who had made varsity as a freshman. So there was a lot of high hopes and a lot of high expectations that were placed on my shoulders. And so there were all these amazing things happening. I was getting accomplishments and different awards for basketball, but then I look at my life in retrospects and I I can see that it was juxtaposed to these terrible things that were already happening at the same time. I'd already been dealing with a pornography addiction for some years now, from sixth grade to seventh grade to eighth grade, now in ninth grade, still dealing with pornography addictions. And, and as I look back, my first relationship kind of had me addicted to more toxic relationships. And so now I'm in this cycle and this pattern of being addicted to toxic relationships, and I needed reassurance from the people that were close to me. And the funny part about the relationship piece is, it wasn't just being addicted to toxic relationships in the sense of romantic relationships, but also in friendships. And so I found myself connecting up with people, getting with people who would take more from me rather than the things that they could give to me. And now I'm kind of in this cycle, in this spiral of terrible friendships, terrible relationships, and addiction to pornography. And for me, it was just this constant back and forth because at the center, the entire time, underlying I knew that God wanted to do something with me. I knew that God had a plan for me, but at the same time, I just didn't fully believe it. And so I myself am working to have all these great accomplishments, which I'm actually attaining, but at the same time still struggling with all of these deep, uh, dark things that I had ended up putting myself into. Now, on the inside, there's two sides of my story. There's the side um, where the enemy is trying to push me down the farthest hole that he possibly could. And that's the side I just described to you, where I'm dealing with pornography, where I'm dealing with these different addictions. And at the same time, God is trying to show me that I'm favored in his sight. Um, and now I couldn't see it at the time, but looking in retrospect, it's something that I was able to see. And of course, in this season, it's no surprise, the enemy actually ends up winning. Um, I ended up getting into more toxic relationships. And even the good relationships that I did have, the good friendships I did have, I didn't know how to sustain them in that season because of what I was used to. So I ended up letting them go. My friends, they ended up becoming a problem in my life. They ended up becoming a problem in my life because they would only use me again for what they could get rather than what they could give. And of course, the problems just worsened and worsened and worsened. I ended up having sex freshman year um, of high school all the way through my senior year of high school. I began drinking and smoking and going to these different parties and, and getting drunk, kind of trying to suppress and hide the pain that life has placed on my path because it really just felt like nothing mattered anymore. The problems were so big. It felt like things were just so great that it really felt like nothing mattered anymore. And the only thing that could really help to suppress the pain, the only thing that could really helped to suppress the, the traumas that I had already taken on at such a young age was, well, doing these different things. And, and so I would go to these parties and I would do all these things. And then, of course, the pinnacle of everything happened my senior year in high school. Um, it was playing basketball, doing one of the favorite things that I knew how to do. My first love, the only thing that really could even kind of slightly take away the pain, and God took it away from me. And for me, 
in this moment, I really didn't know what to do. I really didn't know how to act. I really didn't know how to feel because I had been playing varsity as one of the best players. I had been starting every game. I had had offensive player of the year awards. I had defensive player of the year awards. I had all these great accomplishments right in front of me. I had received scholarships to play basketball at some of the best universities in the country. And of course, I ended up getting injured. Now, I got the diagnosis when I went to the doctor later on and the doctor told me that I had a pinched nerve in the lower part of my back between my L4 and my L5. It was a pinched nerve. And for me, it was kind of crazy because the doctor ended up giving me three options. He looked at me in the face and he said, you have three options, son. He said, you can receive surgery and we can try and fix this pinched nerve and pull it out, but there is a chance that you might never walk again. There's the slight chance that you might never walk again. It's something that we wouldn't advise. If we can uh, deter anyone from taking the surgery, we normally would try to deter them from doing so. He said that's option one, but we wouldn't advise that. The second option is you can continue to play basketball, but there's going to be a big chance that after playing college basketball, you won't be able to walk again. And he said, this is not something that we would advise either. But we have a third option for you. And the third option is you can quit playing basketball right now, but your back won't fully heal. But even though it won't fully heal, you won't feel the pain because you're not playing on it. You're not doing basketball anymore, so your back will kind of self-correct itself. This is the option that we would advise for you. Um, you need to be able to have a family is what they told me. You need to be able to walk. You need to be able to, to talk to your kids, to have a family, to have a future. They said, didn't you want to have kids? And I looked at them and I said, of course I want to have kids. They said, if you want to have a good life, we'd advise you stop playing basketball. Now, to me, I was broken inside because all I could think of was that my entire life was centered around this one thing, basketball, all of the accomplishments, and I have trauma on the inside, and basketball was the only way that I could kind of release some of that trauma, and now basketball was gone. Later on, of course, it gets worse. I found out that a bunch of my friends, they ended up selling me out um, to the school for all of my drinking and all of my smoking and all of my partying. And also found out because of, of a couple of other situations, I ended up actually having to go to court. And so now basketball had already been taken away from me, but now my reputation at school was also gone. And then more than that, even band was ended up being taken away from me because that wasn't a part of the moral values that the band held up. So my friends sold me out. My girlfriend ended up leaving me, and now everything that I had aspired to do had left me. I literally had nothing else. No drugs, no alcohol, no friends, no girlfriends, no band, no basketball, no future. All I could say is that everything in my life up until this point had felt pointless. Because I, I, I would think about it like, why would I do all of these great things? Why would God give me all of this great talent if it were all just to be taken away right here and right now? And so what I want you guys to do is I want you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I kind of want to walk through a story um, of Ecclesiastes. Inside of this first part, inside of the first couple of chapters in Ecclesiastes, we see the son of David speaking. And at this current time, he is the king of Jerusalem. And his story is kind of like mine. He says everything 
is pointless. He doesn't understand why life is the way that life is. He said that he's done everything under the sun. He's talked about how he's tried to gain pleasure. He's talked about how he's tried to gain wisdom, how he's tried to gain fame, and how he's tried to gain fortune. But guess what? He actually was able to attain it, just like me, how I was attaining all of those different awards and getting all of those different things and and kind of raising my stature. So was this guy, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem at the time. He was able to gain all of these things. But in the first couple of chapters, what he says is it is pointless. It meant nothing. And so I kind of want to read this chapter kind of just to tell you a little bit about how he's feeling. Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse one. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, and it says this. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with the pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during these few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, and and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruits and trees in them. I made reservoirs and, and water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female servants and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned herds and flocks more than anybody in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well as the delight of any man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And so if you're taking notes, this is my first point. I want you to write this down. Life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. Go ahead and write that down if you're taking notes. Life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. I mean, look at what this guy is saying in the scriptures. And if you, if you have the time, I would totally recommend that you go back and just read this first part of Ecclesiastes because it'll totally change the way that you view life and the things and the accomplishments that we get. He essentially tried every way that he knew possible to pleasure himself, to pleasure this life that God has given us under the sun. He tried laughter. He tried being the CEO of a company. He tried being a farmer. He tried gaining bunches of silver and gold. He didn't deny himself anything. He tried the sex. He tried all the drugs. He tried literally everything. And just like me, he tried everything. And you know what he found out? He found out that life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. Life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. Let me say it in a different way. Failure to see the why of life always leads to a flop. Failure to see the why of life always leads to a flop. And just like me, I tried and tried and tried everything that I knew how to do to try and suppress all the pain, to try and suppress all the trauma, to, to try and just push everything down, the things that people had taught me, the accomplishments that I could get. I did everything that a person could dream of at my age, and it all still led to what? A flop. Because failure to see the why of life always leads to a flop. 
And what I want from the people listening is I don't just want us to leave it at that. I don't just want us to see this for my story. I don't just want us to see this for his story. But I want us to look at this in our lives. Because what I want to show you and tell you is that many of us have been living our lives without God's hand. Many of us have been living our lives without God's why in the midst of everything. And, and you know, I think the crazy part about my story and the son of David's story is that we're both Christians. That's the crazy part to me, because this entire time that I was in high school and middle school, I was still going to church. I was still, you know, reading my Bible. I was still listening to what my parents had to say. Um, Even the son of David, he was the king of Jerusalem at the time. And so he's still in communion with God. He's still doing all of these normal Christian things. We went to church. We heard God's voice. We felt his presence and our lives at the end still felt pointless. What was the meaning of it all? Why is this? This is because we were living our lives without the hand of God inside of our endeavors. It's not that we weren't in community with God because we were still in community with God, but everything that we were doing, everything that we were trying to accomplish was without the hand of God. The hand of God was not inside of our endeavors. And for those of you listening to this, maybe some of us have been building companies and building businesses for years and years and years, but never once thought to seek out God's plan for that company. Maybe some of us have been building our careers and we've been in this same job working to try and build and climb the ladder and doing all of these great things, trying to make a great career and a great name for ourselves, but didn't once think to ask God, is this the path? Is this the plan that you truly have for me? Maybe some of us have sought answers. If I go to college, if I go to this school, if I go to this university, maybe I'll really be able to figure out what purpose and what plan God has for me in my life. Maybe if I ask my parents, maybe if I ask my friends, maybe if I ask my spouses, maybe if I ask my best buddy, I'll be able to try and figure out some thing that can satisfy this life. But we have to remember, I'm here to tell you today that life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. I mean, did you guys know that there are superstars, there there are businessmen, there are rich people that commit suicide every single year? People who are wealthy, sometimes our society and our culture tells us to look to famous people, to look to superstars for how to live life, to try and get like them, but they couldn't figure it out. They, they, they couldn't figure it out, even though they had everything that we try and reach for, everything that we try and, and go and pursue, they still couldn't figure it out. But it's also because they didn't realize that life's pleasures without purpose is meaningless. And and, and in this moment, I just kind of want all of us to assess our lives, assess the areas in our lives that we may have been operating in without the hand of God on us. Because on that day, I saw my entire life and all I could look and see was that my life was in my very hands. I saw that everything that I did was because of the work of my hands. I saw that everything that I accomplished was because of the work of my hands. I saw everything that I was in, the reason that I was in it wasn't because God told me to do it, but it was because of the work of my hands. And God was nowhere to be found in the midst of it. I remember the lowest point on that day was when two police officers had to march me out of the school in front of everybody that I knew. Two police officers came and walked me out so that they could take me to the courtroom. And from that moment, I knew that things would never, ever be the same. And for the first time in my life, I saw my life for what it truly was. And I became very desperate to find hope. Because everything was cloudy, everything was dark, I couldn't really see anything. My mind kind of went into this state of euphoria. I really didn't know what to do at this moment. All I knew is that if there was any type of way that I could come out of this situation, that's what I needed. And the only thing that I knew was hope. 
I knew that I needed to find hope. So write this down. This is my next point. In our darkest days, our humanity breeds desperation. In our darkest days, our humanity breeds desperation. This desperation could be used for good or it could be used for bad. Man, I remember sitting in that courtroom not knowing where my life had brought me, not knowing why my life had brought me here. They were speaking about giving me jail time for a very, very long time for the things that I had done. And my desperation in that moment, if I'm being very honest, could have easily led me to suicide. That's where my desperation could have led me. But God... It led me to pray one of the most dangerous prayers that I'd ever prayed in my entire life. I said, Lord, if you could save me from this mess that I'm in right now. I said, Lord, if you could take away this this trap that the enemy has beset before me. I said, Lord, if you could put your hand of favor on me just one more time. Lord, if you can get me out of this situation, I promise that I will serve you forever. I promise that nothing that I do ever again will be without you in the middle of it. Why did I pray this prayer? Because in our darkest days, our humanity breeds desperation. This is why you have to make sure that you know where you're rooted. If we're so rooted in our society, if we're so rooted in culture, if we're so rooted in, in, in all of the motivational and the, and the uh, uh, hustle things that we listen to on Instagram or on YouTube, if that's where we're motivated, if that's where we're planted and we're rooted in, then maybe that day my desperation wouldn't have led me to pray a prayer, but maybe it would have led me to commit suicide because I was rooted in culture rather than being rooted in Christ. And it was crazy because on that day, my desperation prayer was answered. God actually didn't say a word to me. I prayed that prayer just in faith, not knowing if he would say anything, but God didn't say a word to me. Instead, he just made my situation do a full 180. For a year, I was dealing, going inside and out of court, moving from this place and moving to that place. I thought, man, surely, surely, surely I would be locked up for a very long time for the dumb things that I had done. But one day... On the final, court, uh, the, the final court day, the judge looked at me and said, your sentence has been revoked. We're dropping the case, and this won't even be put on your criminal record. You're free to go. When I tell you guys I wept so hard, I probably cried the hardest I'd ever cried in my entire life because my desperation prayer was answered because God really chose to turn my situation around. And the funny part is, this is where the story begins to get better because I found out that my life has been lived with pleasures rather than purpose. When I prayed that prayer, God said, I'm gonna give you a purpose now. And so not too long after, the Lord actually used my little sister um, to come up to me and tell me, you know what, Jamin? You You would look really, really good as a pastor. Now, you guys heard everything that I just told you. Now imagine your little sister coming up to you and saying, you would be a really, really good pastor. I thought she was crazy. And I thought God was crazy. Man, because how could I be a pastor after all of the crazy things that my life had just gone through? And then the Lord even had, um, whenever we went to church um, that day, it was the craziest day of my life because the court case was on a Saturday. And then on that Sunday morning, it's when my little sister told me that. And then we walk into church, and the craziest thing happens. The pastor stops the entire service. He stops everything, and he says, you, I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the altar. And he begins ministering to me, and he begins telling me all these great plans that God has for my life. He begins telling me that you are going to be a pastor, and one day you're going to change so many people's lives because of the testimony and the things that you went through. Now, I had never told him anything. I never said a word to this man, and now he was prophesying to me the destiny that God had for me. Man, 
And so what happened after that, I ended up getting my act together, ended up finishing high school by the grace of God. And then I ended up going to Oral Roberts University. Come on, shout out T-Town, Oral Roberts, if you guys know what I'm talking about. And inside of ORU, they ended up recognizing the leadership skills that God had placed on the inside of me. I was able to play piano for a group called Souls of Fire. And not too long after that, they actually made me the director of the entire group, Souls of Fire, which has been alive for 50 plus years right here in the heart of Tulsa. I began studying psychology and which in the upcoming semester for me, um, not too long from now, in December, I'll be graduating with my undergraduate's degree. Man, it's so crazy to look back on life to see where I was and then see the purpose and the plans that God has for me actually coming to fruition in the life that I'm living now. Man, God has blessed me so much to the point that I don't have room enough to receive the blessings that he has for me. God has blessed me with finances so much to the point that I didn't have to work one day in my entire college careers. And I don't have a crazy amount of loans to pay off either. Currently now in my life position, God has given me two cars, two working vehicles that I'm able to move and do things with. God has Bless me with, to purchase all new equipment um, uh, because I'm a pianist for Souls of Fire, because I'm a pianist for this church here, Ignite Church Tulsa. He blessed me with a new keyboard, new free studio speakers, a new MacBook, um, a new bass guitar, more shoes and more clothes and things that I know what to do with. And it was crazy to me because looking back at my life, I was trying to attain these pleasures and I was trying to reach for a certain status, but I didn't have purpose. And now that I'm walking into purpose, God has latently blessed me with all of these things that I was shooting to attain for. And so if you're continuing to take notes, write down. This is my third point. God's, ple God's pleasures always give you life's pleasures. God's pleasures always give you life's pleasures. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes really quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says this. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near and listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Verse three, a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Verse four, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasures in fools, so fulfill your vow. Do not, um, it is better to make a vow, it is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you to sin, and do not protest the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Well, why should God be angry at you when you, why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. And I just wanted to highlight this point uh, passage uh, in this passage. Verse number four, it says, when God makes, um, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasures in, fool, in fools, so fulfill your vows. So what is this verse trying to say? What is this verse trying to say? Write this down. This is my last point. What this verse is trying to say is a true commitment to God carries faith. A true commitment to God carries faith. Man, I can honestly say the only reason that I'm here where I am today and the accomplishments and the great things that I've done in my life thus far, which I know God is going to continue to, to amplify and continue to lift and continue to raise, I can truly say that the only reason is because I listen to the voice of God. In every moment, I listen to his voice. 
Fearing God means having reverence for him in all situations in every single moment of my life. And so what does that look like today? That looks like, okay, practically, God, which way do you want, which way do you want me to take? Do you want me to turn left or right when I'm going to work today? Okay, God, wh- which pair of shoes am I going to put on today? Okay, God, which, which lunch spot am I heading up today? Okay, God, which person am I talking to to try and witness to, to try and minister to today? And, and I know some of you are saying, well, Jamie, man, that sounds so pointless. Why would I possibly ask God which way I'm going to turn left or right on the street? But... If you didn't catch it, this is my bonus point. Write this down. Number five, small steps of faith lead to stupendous steps of accomplishment. Small steps of faith lead to stupendous steps of accomplishment. Because I had chosen to listen to God's voice in the small things, because I chose to listen to him at home, I had no trouble hearing his voice in the biggest moments of my life. Because I've stood and spoken before thousands of people, I've stood and played keys and and, and sang before thousands and hundreds of people, I've been able to do that and hear God's voice in clarity in that moment because I chose to listen to his voice in private, in the small moments, in the moments where nobody was around. And it's because I remember this one thing. Small steps of faith lead to stupendous steps of accomplishment. And if you take nothing else from this podcast, if you don't take anything else from this one episode right here, what I want you to know and what I want to leave you with is that listening to the voice of God in every situation is the only way that you can refrain from having a story like I did. Is the only way that you can refrain from having a story like the son of David, going and working and doing all these amazing things, trying to build your own name, trying to, trying to have faith and, and do it in your own hands. If you do it that way, then it'll always, always, always end out pointless. But if you're listening to the voice of God at every single moment and every single situation, making sure that God's hand of favor is on that business before you start it, making sure that God's hand of favor is on that relationship before you start it, making sure that God's hand of favor is on that car purchase before you buy it, and all of these things, if you make sure that God's hand of favor is on it, man, his purpose for you and the things that he's leading you to, they will latently come with the pleasures that life gives. Man, thank you guys so much for having me. My name is Jamin Bell, and I will see you guys next time. I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of Persons of Interest Summer Takeover. Man, you guys need to make sure to come back to this podcast the very same time, very same moment next week because we have a second special guest that we're bringing on the show. I won't reveal who it is, but make sure you come back and make sure you listen to it. Man, and as always, keep seeking insight, keys, and perspective for everyday living through the lens of God. It will change your world and it will change your life. Thank you guys. We'll see you all next time.